God the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I'm going to draw our attention mostly this morning to the reading from Amos and to the book of Amos. Um, one of the problems we have on Sunday morning is there used to be a show on TV, some of us are old enough to remember it, called Name That Tune. And they would, I think they still have something like that. And you'd get about a, a few bars of a song and then you had to name the whole song. And on Sunday morning, we're supposed to be so familiar with the scripture that when we have this little piece of Amos in front of us, yeah, we remember the whole book. But, uh, so I had to remind myself, so I'm going to, uh, maybe you don't need it, but I need it. So I'm going to remind us about Amos this morning. It's 150 years since the Civil War, the 12 tribes. And um, they had been the greatest nation that they had ever been under King Solomon. We remember King Solomon, he's renowned for his wisdom. Uh, he had mixed press. He was also renowned for having lots and lots of wives and lots of concubines. And with every one of these wives and concubines, he bought foreign gods into Israel. And so he, uh, he introduced idol worship into the Holy Land and, and into God's holy people. Idol worship is the foundational sin of the Bible. I said last week that the Bible can be, it can be, it's in, on the one hand, it's the story of God's long-suffering love. On the other hand, it's the story of God's battle with the idols for the souls of his people. And I said, I, I say it repeatedly, but here is a, uh, something you can use. If you want to know whether something is an idol or not, does it promise much and deliver little? Does it ask for more and more, give less and less? And in the end, does it require blood? And usually beginning with the blood of children and then the blood of those that are the lowest down on the socioeconomic totem pole. So one of the things that Amos is about, the book of Amos is about, and this is the earliest prophet of whom we have a written record. Uh, one of the things that, that, that Amos is about is it's about the relationship between the worship of the false gods and the distortion and corruption that, that is bound to be the fruit of the worship of the false god. When, when, when false gods are being worshiped, it's not gonna be good for children and it's not gonna be good for the poor. And it's, it's the way it works. It's the way, it's the way that it, uh, the way that it works. So there's been a civil war after, after Solomon, they were as a big, a, a big a nation as they ever were. You know, they, they, the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, at this time, will you restore Israel? This is, he's asking, he's going to make us great again, like we were under Solomon, right? But there's been a civil war. And by the time of Jesus, there's really only just a little bit around Jerusalem. The North is gone. It's disappeared. It's sunk under the boot heel of the great empires of that, of that time. But at this time, there's ten tribes in the north, two tribes in the south. And uh, the first king is Jeroboam, and, and um, he doesn't want his people to go down and worship in Jerusalem. They might become disloyal if they did that. So what is he going to do? So he sets up temple cities, two temple cities. And he, like Aaron did, he sets up golden calves. And he said, Israel, here are your gods. And so they worship these fertility uh, images, these, these gods that promise sex, sexual ecstasy and fertility. 
Well, do they deliver? That's the big question. They do for a while. He does okay, and then another king comes on, Jeroboam II, and he's really successful. Uh, he's a success as a military general, and the economy is humming. But it's an economy that hums to the benefit of those at the top at the cost of those at the bottom. And so God, this is what God does when God's people forget him. Idolatry is such a terrible sin because it's a, it is fundamentally the sin of ingratitude. God rescues the people from slavery. He rescues them from the, from the soul-destroying, life-draining service of the false gods of Egypt. And he gives them a holy and a righteous way of life and leads them into a life of bounty. Well, and what is the first thing they do is that they, they reject him and they turn to some other god. It's, it's at the root of idolatry is this sort of ingratitude and this unwillingness to embrace the God who reveals himself to us, who tells us who he is. I am the Lord your God, brought you out of the house of bondage, out of the slavery of Egypt. Have no other gods before me. We, we, we reject that God who's shown himself in his mighty saving deeds, who reveals himself to us in the, in the record of his revelation in the Bible. We reject that God and we make a God with our own hands to serve our own purposes. And the religion that we make for ourselves is the cruelest possible religion that we could have. And it will inevitably, it will, it will, it will distort us. Well, the thing that we're worshiping will become distorted. It could be a good thing of this world, but it will become distorted. Um, we all want to be successful. The clergy want to be successful. But success can be uh, an idol, and you can sacrifice your family uh, to that. Um, the future has been a great idol in the 20th century. Both the Nazis and the communists promised a glorious uh, future. Uh, a future, by the way, in which the poor would be lifted up, and uh, they crushed millions under their heels. So when we worship the false god, the thing will become distorted, our lives will become distorted, and the society will become distorted. And God raises up Amos with a message to go to the northern kingdom. And this is really, you know, God is, he gives tough assignments. Here's this man, he's, he, he's not, he, God says, I want you to be a prophet. And he says, I'm no prophet, I'm a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore trees. God says, okay, you're my prophet. And furthermore, uh, I don't want you to speak to your own people. I want you to go to the other kingdom. And I want you to go into the court of that king who is your sworn enemy. And I want you to preach my word there. And the word that God gives Amos is nine, it's a short book, it's nine chapters. The word that God gives Amos is a word of judgment. You've been worshiping the false gods. Uh, your society has become distorted. The, the, the poor in the land are being uh, abused and uh, I'm going to raise up a nation, and the nation is going to conquer you. And according to the Bible, you can tell whether a prophet is true if his prophecy comes true. Fifty years later, it comes true. The Assyrians come in, and they, they, they absolutely uh, wipe, wipe out the, the regime that is there, and they take all the top people, and they take them into exile. Plant their own veterans and soldiers there. They become the Samaritans. Thank you.
conversation that Jesus is having with the Samaritan woman. That's the, the aftermath of all of that. And Amos gives this, this sort of terrible prophecy, and, uh, and, and the prophecy comes true. But in the ninth chapter of, of Amos, and this is always the case with the prophets, God's prophecy is a judgment, and the judgment can be very stern. But the judgment is, that, is never just simply kind of punishment for the sake of punishment. The judgment is always a word of mercy, love, and grace. And, uh, and uh, Amos promises the people that after they have been chastened, after they've come to their senses, after they've figured out what's happened and how they got there, then God is going to raise them up. And he's going to rebuild the house of David. And the, and the, and the vision there is so beautiful. When, when, when God rebuilds the house of David, he's going, to re, he's going to rebuild the whole people, he's going to rebuild the whole nation, it's going to start with the house of David. And when God rebuilds the house of David, it's going to be, well, it's, it's going to be, there's going to, the, 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 the hills will be flowing with wine. Uh, there will be such an abundance of food that even on the top of the hills where usually it's just rock and thin soil and nothing much grows, even there'll be an abundance there. Uh, there'll be laughter, there'll be, there'll, be, there'll be joy. People will return to God and God will renew and restore and, 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 ra and raise up his people. Now what does it mean to restore by restoring the house of David? Well, clearly the house of David is just a descendant out of David. And the Bible promises that there will be a prophet, priest, and king that will come out of the house of David. And he'll be the savior. He will be the one through God, through whom God works his renewal. Through whom God works his resurrection. Through whom God um, provides the antidote for the poison of the prophet. And restores his people to right relationship with him and right relationship with each other. Uh, the house, I think, is also the whole civilization that Israel stands for. And now we try to hear this word as a word that is, that is directed to us. There's not a one-off between any contemporary society and God's people in the Bible, but there are, but there are principles there that we need to take to heart. And one of the principles is is that, is that when the false gods get the upper hand, there will be distortion, there will be destruction, there will be sickness, there will be chaos. At the heart of every civilization is a, is, is a cult. You know, you've got a civilization, you've got culture, at the heart of the culture is a cult. And at the heart of the, God, at the, heart of the cult is an image of God. Broadly speaking, Western civilization has as its part a, a providential synthesis between the, God, between the worship of the God of the Bible and the discovery of universal re reason, which was the great discovery of the Greeks. Uh, we've lost that plot. Western civilization has lost that plot. Europe is in a lot of trouble. You may have spotted this. There's a war going on there now. Europe is in a lot of trouble. England is in, not as in much trouble as that, but they're in plenty of trouble. We're not in as much trouble as England is, but we're in plenty of trouble ourselves. So how do we hear a, a, a gospel word? 
How do we hear a word of joy and salvation in this? The promise that God made that he will, he will win his people back from the false gods and from their death-dealing service, and he will win them back to himself, has come true, Jesus Christ the Lord. He's vanquished the idols on the cross. He spread out his arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that the whole world might come within the reach of his saving embrace. And he, 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 is, he is calling us to be part of the resurrection of the house of David that is in him. Now, that's what Timothy is doing in the epistle today. He's being sent by Paul to call a church that has lost its plot back to that which is central to it. And what is the message? What is the, me- what is the message that, uh, what is the message that uh, Paul gives Timothy? Well, I would say the message is this, and it's the message to us. Our culture is in trouble. And what could help? What could help would be if the church would be the church. And one of the things that has to happen is that we have to purify our own worship, our own uh, devotion to God, our own understanding of God. We have to constantly refine and purify that by bringing it to the scriptures and by bringing it to to the sacraments so that we can be built up as the house of the Savior through whom God wants to raise up the world and raise up those who are ground down. I don't think this is any better expressed in the Bible than than in uh, the words of St. Peter in his first letter. And I think this is really to put two apostles together. This is the message that Paul gives Timothy to say to his church that is confused. This is it. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and all envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone. Rejected indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, as part of this house that God is building, in order to raise up the human race. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up, are to be built up as a spiritual house, as a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to the one God, to the one mediator, Jesus Christ our Lord, and God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.